You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Yes, George Denekian along with Lockie Flanagan in the Football Nation Radio Studios in Melbourne. And very, very shortly, I can see him in the green room waiting to be introduced. Uh, the, uh, the coach, the head man at the Central Coast Mariners, Nick Montgomery, will be joining us in just a moment. Um, welcome, young Lockie. Hello, what, George. What, what have you made of the last couple of weeks as we prepare for what promises to be, I think, an exciting A-League season, which starts next week? Well, I think the, the even though I wasn't there... I think the the official launch that happened at Ultra Football in in Melbourne for yep. a change, what a shock yep. that is! Yep. Um, on on Wednesday, really just took me to a, a another level. It got me to sort of look through, sift through the squads a bit more. Who's come in? Who's left? All the nice photos. So what you're saying like, is, oh, you're yes. suddenly you're excited. Yeah, out of nowhere. That out of nowhere. And it's, more importantly, there's an Australia Cup game. Yes, well, a that's, final, which I think almost dovetails beautifully. Yeah, How think- do they manage to fall into this? We have an Australia Cup final the week before. It's almost like it's meant to be. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah? I, I was just I was just thinking that on the way in. Would you believe? I'm like, wow, the, the timing of this competition <laughs> Deja is, vu. <laughs> is 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 perfect. It really is perfect. And I, I've got to admit, and I had this discussion with uh, with Jason Goldsmith on the uh, the Oz Football Hour yep. earlier this week. Yep. I'm still not a hundred percent. Uh, sure that I will be in Victoria while that game is happening. There's a, still a small part of me that's like I couldn't. Oh, I so, could, so I could what you're saying to me? Early in the morning. So I what could. you're saying to me is there's a distinct chance should you get train tickets or someone offers Something. to drive you up to New South Wales, you could be there at Combank Stadium. I must admit I'm fighting the urge. When I saw there was ten thousand <laughs> tickets sold, I was like, oh, it's going to be really good. It's going to be really uh, good. It's be yeah, really listen, good. there's there's a young guy who's in our green room who I wonder if he's a, he's a if he's a, as excited as you are. Should we ask him? Sure thing. Okay, uh, Nick Montgomery, welcome to Football Nation Radio and State of Our Football Nation. How are you? Yeah, good guys. Thanks for the invitation. No, no, our absolute pleasure. Very big season coming up for everybody involved in the A-Leagues. That is men's, women's and youth. Uh, We're thrilled to bits. Finally, the longest uh, or biggest uh, pre-season in the world. Looks like it's coming to an end. And we've got this fantastic game, an Australia Cup game being played in Sydney between probably the, the original Sydney Croatia that I know, Nick, Against possibly, um, uh, you know, the modern <laughs> Melbourne Croatia in some respects, it's it's the Macarthur Bulls up against Sydney United Fifty Eight. Have you had a chance to, you know, with your preparations, just to put a bit of time aside to have a think about it, about what it yeah, means? Look we, look, we got to the final of of the FFA Cup last season, so again, the timing of this Australia Cup is. You know, it was pre-season for the A-League. Um, you know, we played again two weeks into our pre-season. So, yeah, the competition timing is a little bit uh, strange. But, look, that's a massive positive for the NPL teams who 
are coming towards the end of their season. So, look, you know, it's a cup final. I think it's exciting to have an MPL team there. Um, yeah, obviously, I followed the progress and, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a final and it, you know, hopefully they get a good crowd at the Combank Stadium and, and give the competition the, the, the respect it deserves. Uh, speaking of respect, there is uh, already 10,000 tickets sold and we're, and we're suggesting as, a, as, the, as people get closer to the game, there will be some movement. But a question without notice for you, does the Australia Cup offer you as a coach and as a manager of, of, of a club an opportunity to, to um, showcase or screen some talent that you maybe not have access to because it's happening around the country and you can't be everywhere uh, at, at the same time? Yeah, look, I think we're a club that's a little bit unique and a bit different to most clubs. You know, we have a scouting network where we constantly look at MPL players from all over the country. And, and most of our first team at the minute have, have come through the academy. So, look, they all played MPL. And, and, and it's a good league. So, yeah, look, we're always looking. We had trials for MPL players that came in at the start of this season um, from the FFA Cup exploits. A couple of boys from Melbourne. Um, and, and, yeah, look, you know, you know, it does give you opportunity to look at players outside of the A-League and, and, and yeah, see if they've got the talent that, that you feel, you know, can push on to, to, to make it in the A-League, which is a massive step up. When you're looking, are you looking for the quality of the person or are you looking for a combo of quality of person and what they bring to the table or what they can bring to the, your team? Uh, it's definitely a combination. Firstly, you see the player and, and obviously what happens on the pitch, but most important in the, in the team environment is, is, is definitely the person. I'm, I'm massive on that. You know, you can have a very talented player that in a team environment just doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, number one. The players, what attracts you, um, depending on what player you like. The opinions are varied across football, um, but my opinion is, you know, I want to see good energy, um, like young players that that look, uh, have that hunger and desire to to, to go on a full time professional football. And yeah, and then obviously if they're a good person, they've got the right attitude, then then that combination is is definitely something that you know that that is going to help them get the opportunity to get there. But look, it is a massive step up from MPL to A-League. That's one thing, you know, that that, that people seem to misunderstand, you know. Uh, a cup game is a cup game. It's 11 v 11. And, and yeah, look, on, on any day, any team can win a game of football and you see that all around the world. But when you step into the full-time environment, it's a different beast. And, and yeah, the, you know, the athlete side of it is massive. If you're not an athlete these days, it's very, very hard to become a, a, a professional footballer um, but obviously that takes time as well so it depends if you're willing to invest time into players to get into that level and that's that's a hard thing when you have only a small amount of players that you can put in a, in a squad in A-League uh, rosters. Uh, Nick Montgomery is our special guest on State of Our Football Nation, Football Nation Radio, George Danikian and uh, Lockie Flanagan in the studio in Melbourne and uh, via Zoom we've got Nick uh, on the other line giving us a sense of uh, how the Central Coast Mariners are preparing for what promises to be an exciting season. You had a fabulous season, I thought, last year. Um, at a critical juncture, you had some key injuries and a couple of things that didn't go quite the way you would have liked or deserved. Um, how are things, now that you've had a chance to review um, you know the lay of the land and you've had a look at your, your stocks and you've had a chance to bring some players in because you've lost... Lord knows some wonderfully talented players who, for a number of different reasons, fulfilled their commitment and, and, and have left and gone back home. 
And I can remember in a recent documentary series I watched, um, it was, I think it was All or Nothing. It was the original one with Spurs and uh, Jose Mourinho. And one of the things and one of the statements that really caught my my eye and also the way he, he said it, he was talking as a head coach, he was talking as a head manager, and he said, putting a football team together, it's a bit like putting a puzzle, you know, together. You've got all these wonderful disparate pieces and somehow with work and uh, with encouragement, you've got to bring them to the fore, fit them in and make them play as one. Is that about right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like any team sport, it's never about the individual. And if it ever is about the individual, then... You're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> and, and trouble if you don't, you know, if you don't remove remove uh, that, that piece that just doesn't fit in the jigsaw. So, look, you know, it, it's it's always a difficult one. I think, number one, you get a good squad together, you want competition for places, and then you have to manage that competition. But, yeah, you have to have pieces of the jigsaw that fit in, and, you know, you have a playing style, and, and, and you have a, a game plan going into every game, and, and, and everybody has to follow that, um, because ultimately it's about winning the game of football and it's never about anyone's individual what they want to do so um, yeah it, it's it's very complex um, and then you have different characters in there that, that you have to deal with differently some need a, a kick up the bum and some need a, an arm shoulder and, and a cuddle now and then and it's about obviously knowing who needs what um, but also everybody buying into to, to the same things that you want and when you do that and you've got good team culture good staff good players that all buy into it, then I think, yeah, you've, you've got every chance of being successful. Well, George brought up a, uh, a separate separate football-related documentary just there, and it sort of brings me on to the, uh, the announcement that we got during the week of, uh, of A-Leagues All Access, and you're talking about building a, building a squad, you know, managing the dressing room. How are you feeling about the prospect of having a, a, a camera potentially involved while you're trying to do exactly that? The, the thought of, uh, you know, someone standing there with a... A little cannon while you're having to give someone a kick up the backside. How does that make you feel? That won't be easy. Oh, look, if, if anyone Googles uh, Neil Warnock, you'll probably see me on it. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was, geez, that was, oh, God. Yeah, that was probably 10, 15 years ago when, you know, Neil Warnock had the cameras in the dressing room and he's kicking and throwing stuff and, you know, he's, he's motivational stuff. But, look, that's, that's pretty normal now. Everybody loves the, the documentaries and, my actual, my first year at the Mariners, we had uh, life with the Mariners. I think it was a code, life for the Mariners. And yeah, we had documentary uh, that, that followed us that season when we won the championship. And yeah, it just sort of get used to it. And I think it's, you know, it's real life. You know, how much uh, how much real life on some of the one documentaries is, is always questionable. But I think it's... <laughs> That's a very good point, Nick. Every time you put a camera in front of anybody... They're not natural. They're putting on a show. Whether they understand it or not, you you know full well if you get five people in front of you say, I'm going to take a shot of you now, suddenly their tummy goes in, their shoulders stand out, and they put on their best possible smile. That's not real. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think, again, the the, the best camera people are the ones that, yeah, they're like camouflage. You don't see them, and then you (laughs) you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have done this, but yeah. just putting it out there you want it as real life as possible and that's what the fans want to see and 
again, that, that's that's that access that they don't normally have. So yeah, it's exciting. Oh, unsurprisingly, once again, Neil, Neil Warnock, the, uh, the the trailblazer of an important... Oh, yeah. Does that mean we're going to see mm-hmm. an homage? Are we going to see you on camera saying, hey guys, enjoy it, but enjoy it by being effing disciplined? Will, will we get one of those <laughs> from Nick Montgomery? Yeah. Oh, you know, they say that you take um, good things from the good coaches and managers you've worked with. And look, he was an unbelievable man manager. Um, you know, a lot of people see stuff on there and he's crazy, but nah, he was very, very smart and you don't get eight teams promoted in, in English leagues without being able to put a team together and, and, and be competitive. So, yeah, look again, I'm sure uh, I like to play it for the Clippers. Nick Montgomery, uh, your journey to head coach um, has been an intriguing one. And as you touched on there, I bet uh, you've you've brought all the people, the managers and the coaches that you've had through your life from the very beginning where did the football journey start for you? Just take us back. Where did it start? So, yeah, obviously, I grew up in Leeds I, I, as a kid, you know, following Leeds United, you know, just just obsessed with football, <laughs> carrying a football everywhere. Um, you know, came from a, a working class background, like a bit of a council estate. And, yeah, you know, there was two ways. You either get into football or get into crime. You know, I chose football. My brother chose, <laughs> chose crime. Um <laughs> And, and yeah, look, that was it. That was my way out. And, and, and yeah, I just loved football. And from there, I was at Leeds United. Then I uh, moved to Sheffield United when I left school uh, because they, they guaranteed me a scholarship and all I ever wanted to do is be a footballer. So to, to move out of my house at 16, away from home and, and in, in a digs with a bunch of lads. And from there, broke into the first team at 18 and spent 15 years playing at Sheffield United. And then, yeah, I found myself coming over to the Mariners at, 30, 31 years old and, and yeah, really enjoying my time in the A-League as a player and then transitioning into coaching in the academy and, and from there, obviously, to the head coach of the club now. So that, that's a short version. There's a four or five hour version if you've got time for that. <laughs> we'll save that for the doco. Yeah, that, that, that sounds more like a series. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah, more yeah, like yeah. a series. Yeah. Well, leaving leaving home at, at 16, cracking into the, the senior fold at Good test. At 18. Good not test. only a good test, but I, I can't help uh, but think it dovetails quite nicely with, you know, a, a topic that's on a lot of people's lips at the moment, which is, of course, uh, the, the transfer rumours. We're hearing about Garang Quall potentially on the verge of this um, incredible move to, to Newcastle United, having only just turned 18, having only just featured for the Socceroos for the first time. How are you feeling about uh, the, the rumour mill being in overdrive <laughs> over one of your young talents? Ah, look, it's always it's always good when there's speculation and interest in, in your players. And I think, you know, uh, it's January is the next window. So this is a bit of a unique one where, you know, it, there is a lot of interest in. He's a young player. You know, he hasn't started one game for the Mariners, but look, he's a kid. You know, we signed him and his brother originally at Luke Hall. We signed him from Shepparton um, and, and playing League Three, I think it was in Melbourne. Nobody Nobody touched him. They all thought he was too raw. And within 12 months, I brought him, you know, the, and we're talking about his brother here, Alou. You know, we, we brought him in, he had no core strength, he, he couldn't control the ball properly, but he was a he was a big athlete, massive potential. And, and yeah, we put a lot of effort in coaching him. He got in the first team, Stuttgart bought him and the rest is history. And from, you know, from that point, he told us he had a younger brother. We brought him in on trial. <laughs> yeah, myself and my assistant, Sergio Raimondo, saw this 16-year-old kid. You know, no idea how to play football in terms of in a, in a team, but could just glide past players, good finisher, very quick, and, and again, had the assets 
to become a good footballer. So we brought him in and, and, and brought him into the Central Coast. And, and again, you know, the story's been similar. 17, you know, threw him into the into the first team last season. Off the bench, massive impact. And, and he's just grown from there. And, and yeah, look, it's there's not many players that, that can come on in a game and make the impact he did in the Barcelona game. Myself and my assistant, Sergio, who, who brought him in and coached him and mentored him. I knew he was going to come on and light the stadium up. Jesus. And he... For 30 minutes, it was, yeah, he was electric. And mm. after that game, everybody stood back and said, wow, this this kid is is special. And, and again, the season finished and then it's been a lot of speculation. We're in pre-season. And then he makes his soccer, Socceroos debut for 17 the weekend and does the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, look, clubs around the world have contacted, some of the biggest clubs in the world have contacted the club, um, you know, about him. Um, but... Until he signs somewhere, then again, it's always speculation. But he's a good kid, he's grounded, and, and nobody buys the finished product. You know, when, when players get bought by big clubs, they buy the potential. And at the end of the day, you look at potential, the kid's got massive, massive potential. What happens between now and when he matures in the next three or four years is, is ultimately down to him and the people around him to make sure that he stays grounded and, and that he stays humble. And, and he keeps working hard, but there's no doubt the kid has as massive potential as everybody's seen. We've got we got a flash of something extraordinary um, when the uh, A League, um, what would they call it, the um, the A League uh, rep side played uh, the Barcelona, yeah. the All Stars side. He he did a couple of things in there that you don't readily see for someone with so little experience. Um, it's got a. I think in many, many respects, yes, I understand that, that you, you think the kid's a good good kid, but you guys must have done a tremendous job. And I suppose some of that experience that you you went through at Sheffield, you understood what was required very early on to give him the key, uh, the key ingredients to start making a, a career for himself because his effort – against New Zealand in those what, 15 minutes was, I thought, was extraordinary. Extraordinary in that we've already seen young um, uh, Marco Tilio. Before that, uh, we saw Azani come in and dazzle us, and we all got excited. But this young man appears to have something more. There's, there's a wonderful no-fuss about him. Uh, there seems to be a calmness that, again, he shouldn't have, but it tells you that there's something exceptional there. Does he have a very slow heart resting rate that, you know, we need to know about? <laughs> no, look, I mean, the kid's electric. So I think one thing that that does separate you as a player is if you've got electric pace and, and you can control the ball and you can score goals and you can take players on, then that puts you in a category of very few around the world. And, He's definitely got that, um, but look, it's you know, like you said, he's he's nothing phases him. You know, stadiums full of people don't phase him. I remember giving him his debut. I said, "Mate, just go and do it, do your training, and score a goal." And he did exactly that. <laughs> off the and and I tried to align with him every time. But um, look, I think age is just a number. Um, you know, to, to break in into any first team at seventeen is 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 fantastic. And and yeah, look, right now because the A-League season finished and he played the Barcelona game, then, yeah, really, that, that's 
he hasn't really played a competitive game since because the A-League doesn't start till next week. So it does also show you that, you know, that the kid doesn't matter. He doesn't need games. He's not had any games and he still did what he did against New Zealand. You know, and when you look at top players, those statistics all around the world are, are massive now. When you look at effectiveness in that 17 minutes, I think he, he created a goal. He had a couple of shots. And, and, and again, Jason Cummins, his teammate, 27 minutes, one goal. Correct. Um, again, you know, as a Mariners head coach, I'm just super proud to have two players in that full national team putting the hand up for the World Cup. But now they've got to perform in the A-League and, and hope Graham Arnold you know, keeps watching them and, and sees that they can make that point of difference because I really believe they can. Uh, Richard Peel would be thrilled to bits. You talked about uh, how proud you were as the coach of the Central Coast Mariners to have two young men represent the club so stylishly and uh, so excitedly. Uh, uh, Richard must be sitting there thinking, hello, <laughs> we haven't even started the season yet and the buzz is good and, and healthy. Does that fill you with a great deal of confidence for, what, for what's to come? Yeah, look, Rich is the new chairman that's come in for anyone listening. Um, you know, he's he's come in and, and, you know, I said to him, sorry, are you there? Yeah, yeah, we're right here. Sorry, I said to him, like, you've had a real baptism of fire. You know, he's coming as a new chairman. <laughs> we a short period of time. You know, we've got to an FFA Cup final. We've got finals football last year with the youngest team. You know, 47% of our minutes last year were played by Academy Products, and that's, Asia, uh, we're, we're number one in the whole of AFC, 17th in the world for, for playing academy developed players in the first team. So I think, you know, is a real baptism of fire for him. He's had some of the biggest clubs in the world ringing and speaking to him about his players and told him that some chairman in the A-League have probably never had that in 12, 14 years <laughs> been going. So, you know, appreciate it and, and, and take it all in your stride. But for him, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he loves football. He's excited about the season ahead and, and he's really trying to get the stadium full again because when you get the Central Coast Stadium full, it's a fantastic stadium and, and the atmosphere is brilliant. And, you know, the team, the, the fans want to see a, a team going out to win games of football and, and that's my job. So, yeah, that's what I'll tell him I, uh, I'll do and I did that last season, so I'll try my best this year. Nick, everyone is, is quite rightly fascinated with the, the individual story of, of, of Garen Quall, but I, I'm particularly fascinated by what, you know, your journey with, with Alu, with Garang, the, the sort of risks you've taken, the work you guys have done to refine them, what that says about the Mariners yeah, uh, yeah. and the league at large. And you were sort of touching on it there. Do you think that the rest of the A-League could learn a thing or two uh, from the Central Coast Mariners when it comes to youth production, being a bit more open about the kinds of players they're willing to bring into their academies and, and yeah, take a take a punt on now and again because you guys have done that. You mentioned the match minutes for young players. Sure. And, yeah. I mean, there would be some who'd be concerned that this is going to lead to us falling down the table. But you guys made the finals. You had a great season. Does this send a message to the rest of the the, the league they should be paying attention to? Look, I don't, I don't think there's anyone that hasn't paid attention to it. You know, the statistics are out there for, for everyone to read. And, you know, that that's not arrogant I think the fact that you know we are a club that has the smallest budget has the smallest squad you know we if we want to be sustainable which was Mike Charlesworth's um, you know idea and now he's Richard's idea you know so to do that you have to develop your own players you have to sell players but 
you have to keep players coming through the system and, and, and to do that, you know, obviously that, that's a lot of hard work that, that I put in with my assistant Sergio and other people at the club the last couple of years and, and now we're reaping the rewards and, and again, it's about continuing to do that. Um, but yeah, look, for me as a coach, you have to be brave. You know, I don't think anyone else last year would have given Garang any minutes in the early, but you know, I threw him in the squad. He was training with the first team every day and, and I, you know, I'm not afraid to play young players and they make mistakes part of their learning but once you once you push them through that and they learn from the mistakes you know we mentor them and 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 one thing you know I tried to put in place was a support network at the club where we have a sports psychologist that we that I brought in to work with the players and we have player welfare so we've tried to do stuff that I really believe in and and I think that does really help so yeah look in the day's results business if you don't win games of football people don't really care um, and it's finding the balance, but to do that, you have to recruit good visa players, which I feel we have did last year, and we did, and we have done this year. And and again, some some good senior boys and and good professionals in and around that that can that can all push each other. And 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 again, the team culture is the biggest thing. So yeah, look, you know, you have to take risks for sure as a coach, and I'm willing to do that. And and the reward is we've you know we now got players that are on the radar of some of the biggest clubs in the world, and mm. that helps become sustainable. It helps with recruitment from players from around the country that all want to come to the Mariners now. So yeah, yeah we just we just have to keep doing that and 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 keep working hard. On a personal level, Nick, as a as a, so a relatively you know um, young coach, does that fill you with quite a lot of pride to know that you know Garang is or someone like Garang is standing on the precipice of this massive move because you have been, as you pointed out, been willing to give him an opportunity that some other coaches might not have done. I mean, if Garang had have ended up at an alternative A-League club, he could well still be in the 20s or playing in the, youth, in the NPL yeah. on the weekend. Does that how, how does that make you feel? I think what he said then is, is true. You know, I, I guarantee if Garang would have been at most of the A-League clubs, he possibly might not have been playing first-grade football, probably playing under 20s for his, for his age. You know, but we saw the talent in him that he could change a game. And, and you know... Yeah, it's obviously filled me with immense pride. And, and somebody asked me a while ago, what's the best thing about being a head coach? And, you know, it came to me very quickly that to be able to give a young player the debut um, uh, in professional football is a beautiful moment, not not just for them, for their family, for all the sacrifices they've done. You know, and I'll always own, I'll, I always give debuts to kids that deserve it. I'll never give a debut to a kid that doesn't deserve it. And, and I think looking back on my own debut when Neil Warnock gave me my debut at 18, you know, I was playing well in the reserves. I was consistent. I was desperate when I trained with the first mm, team. I gave, mm. I really earned that. But that that moment, no one can ever take that away from you. But I always say to the players, getting your debut is the easy thing. It's staying in the first team is the hardest thing in the world. And the ones that do that, they they go on and have a good career because you teach them the expectations and and keep your feet grounded. And, and keep working hard and don't lose that love for the game like that got you where you are, you know, but you're in the public eye. So, you know, everything has to change and you have to be ultimately, you know, sacrifice a lot of stuff to get where you want to be. And if you do that, you've got every chance of, of benefiting from a good career in, in the best job in the world. I was just going to say, one of the things that you speak about is sacrifice. I don't think enough people uh, at any age seriously appreciate just how much you've got to give up to be at that elite level, to 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 make it and to deliver and perform each and every week. 
Um, we, we saw in the in your early days in Britain, uh, you would you would be you would have many a story about um, uh, the drinking habits uh, and the other things that were going on in in English football until the likes of people like us and Wenger and others came and said to them, listen. Your methods aren't good enough. We've got to move this on. And what you were doing in the past is not going to be able to be sustained in the future. Now, I look at what you're saying and I love it. And I, and I hope more and more people embrace it. But I'm reminded that there are academies around the world and we see wonderful talent coming through those academies. And yet they all struggle to get an introduction because coaches, as you touched on earlier, are required to deliver results. And it seems to me sometimes you've, you've got to leave the academy, you've got to leave your club and take a risk yourself in order to advance your career. Is, th- is that a fair uh, assessment from my perspective or am I being too harsh? No, I mean, look, you talk about a pathway and, and again, you know, myself, when I, when I was at Leeds United as a kid, you know, there was a lot of kids there. And there was no guarantee of me getting a scholarship. So, you know, I took the ball by the horns. You know, it was my mum that actually wrote off to some clubs and said, you know, he wants to come for a trial. And, you know, I I took that decision that I wasn't going to wait around. I was going to go because I knew I wanted to be a footballer. And, and, and yeah, I, I, there's players at certain clubs, you know, that contact me from other clubs and say, I love what you're doing at the Mariners. I'd love to come. But unfortunately, sometimes they're contracted and yeah. they can't get away is everything you know if I'm looking for a, a, a centre-back and right then I need a centre-back but this player's contracted then unfortunately that can't happen and, and sometimes the moment disappears but you know, I always do believe if, if you are good enough and, and you work hard enough you'll ultimately get where you, you deserve to be but it's never easy you know it's never easy and, and, and yeah I think that pathway is you know you, you have to follow what you think's right and and again, you know, the young players here, we tell them the pathway is here for you because you can see it. They can touch it. You know, a lot of the young players train with the first team, you know, but they have to deserve the right to do that. And that's performing in the first grade in the under 20s. And if you do that, then I've got no problem bringing you in and training with the first team. And and what we have to do in this country is accelerate the development of, of footballers because they do not play enough games as young, as young footballers. There's nowhere near the amount of games that you have overseas. So to get them up to speed, you have to accelerate the development as a footballer, as an athlete and as a person, you know, and that's the biggest thing we try to do here. And, and it's not easy to do. We need good people and experts in their field. And I've got an assistant coach, Sergio Rimondo, that is world class. You know, he's worked at Benfica, who are one of the biggest development clubs in the world. Hmm. And, and yeah, to have that sort of level of support as my assistant, as well as the S&C, the physios and, 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 and then people that really, you know, are more intelligent than me. But, yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick Montgomery is our guest on FNR's State of Our Football Nation. And he's been giving us uh, a very wonderful idea of just what it takes to be a modern coach in this extraordinary game that we love so much called the, the world game. It's soccer in Australia. It's football just about everywhere else. The question I have for you, is you've got a brand new season around the corner. You've lost some wonderful players. Can you give us a sense of some of the new faces that we're going to see and, and, and identify and enjoy this coming season that will be playing a special role for you this year? 
yeah, look, you mentioned then, players come and go. You know, I never looked back. We lost some players that went to Scotland. Again, Kai Rawls, outstanding player. Oh, you know, terrific. Outst- been outstanding for Hearts. We lost Lewis Miller, obviously Mark Berrigetti. You know, we moved on a couple of players as well that, yeah, for whatever reason, you know, some some fi- some financial, some didn't fit the way I wanted to play. So I always see that as an opportunity to, to grow. And the players I brought in, you know, I brought a centre-back in called Kalechi John. He's an under-23 Nigerian international. Played in the top-level Portugal uh, the last couple of years. Been there for, for six, seven years. Development countries in the world. Um, I've also brought in um, uh, Paul Ayongo, uh, a Ghanaian striker that, again, was playing in Portugal. Um, as well as Marco Tullio, Brazilian uh, attacking player he's just arrived last week but he was at Sporting in Portugal you're talking one of the biggest clubs in the world as well but you know uh, at a stage where he wants to get out and, uh, and play how's, um, your, how's your Portuguese Nick? <laughs> uh, look, look it's good look I think people people, when you look at the Portuguese league the salaries in the Portuguese league apart from the biggest two clubs are not not great which is why it's one of the best development clubs in the league and a lot of players go you know, so we've got good contacts in Portugal. I've got Benny Nicololo, the French winger. That is, for me, he's, he was the best attacking winger in, in the A-League the last half of last season. Um, and Mares, the Brazilian boy, has done his ACL. So, unfortunately, Ooh. he's out for this. But I've replaced him with a centre-back called Brian Kaltak, who's a Venuatu international. I think he's the first Venuatu player that will be from Venuatu to play in the A-League. And he's 29 years old. He was at... Uh, Auckland in New Zealand, massive raps on him for a long time, but no one took a, a punt on him. And yeah, and look, he's a beautiful person, unbelievable athlete, and and yeah, I'm, I think everyone's going to see him this season. And yeah, they're going to be you know going to be shocked at, at how nobody else picked him up. Nick Montgomery, you're probably the the, the, the perfect person to speak to regarding this topic. Uh, Lockie and I have spoken over the last uh, couple of weeks about the exporting countries, the football exporting countries of the world that defy their, their size, that defy um, the, the common understanding of the quality of their, of, their, of their leagues, the Portuguese right up there, the Croatians right up there, the Uruguayans right up there, and, of course, we mustn't ever forget the Scots because they've sent so many. I mean, I keep talking about the long-lost Greek tribes, the Scots and the Irish, and yeah. people you know, make jokes. They don't get it. They were the original. The, the, the Greeks were the original Irish players and the Scottish players. I mean, uh, we can have as much fun as we like, but the truth of the matter is there are great exporting countries. What makes them so special? What is it about Portugal, Croatia, Scotland, and, and countries like that, Uruguay, that defy the numbers and produce some amazing professional players that travel around the world? Look, you can't forget Brazil in there as well. Oh, well, that's a, that's, that's a given. <laughs> hey, before we go any further, is Brazil a lock a lock for the World Cup in Qatar? Well, you look at their squad and just, <laughs> wow, look at their players. <laughs> and, you know, good, good luck for the manager picking them up. Always been massively talented and, and the amount of players exported from Brazil is, is is scary and the amount of transfers you're talking billions of pounds worth of players um, but look talk about you can't talk about Scotland without talking about Jason Cummings and mm. you know Jason you know Jason is a, a Scottish born but his mum's Australian so his mum was born in, in, in Australia 
and I brought him in last January because I watched I watched him play, I watched his footage, and I just thought, how is this boy not playing top level? <laughs> Looked into his story, a great character, great lad, and everybody's seen the last couple of weeks with the Socceroos, but you know. Playing in Scotland, there's two big clubs, Rangers and Celtic. He's played at one of them at Rangers. Not easy, very, very difficult. Been at Knox Forest and, and found himself um, at, at Dundee, not playing, not happy, um, and just misunderstood. So you know, there's players out there, and, and you know, I'm always honest when people ask why did why why did you come to the Mariners? And the reason why they come to the Mariners is because they're not perfect. They've made mistakes, and and they're looking for a platform. You know, to build and, and possibly go back on to the top leagues in the world. And, and that's what I really use when speaking to these players. Look, come to the Mariners. The proof is there. Look at the amount of players that have gone overseas. Look at Jason Cummings' story. You know, look at Garang's story. Look at, you know, Kai Roll's story. Oh, there's so many stories, a lot from the last 12 months. And, and, and players buy into that, you know, that they, they want to enjoy the football. And the A-League is a very, very good league. You know, the standard of the A-League, I think, is massively underrated. Um, but it's so far away from Europe that you know it probably doesn't get the respect it deserves. But you know, Kai Rolls goes over to Scotland and he was probably one of the best defenders in the SPL, without a doubt. Um, and 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 again, you know, he was playing in the A League for the Mariners last season. You know, it helped the Socceroos get to the World Cup. Hopefully, he recovers from his his foot injury. But yeah, it's a lot of yeah. The difference is, I think, culturally, out, outside of Australia. The players are just desperate to be footballers, and they love football. And it's the it's a life and you know it's a life and death situation for them there, where you know everything is geared on being a footballer. Here, there's so many different sports. It's a beautiful country, amazing sports. Um, that that again, you've got so much choice. I reckon that's why there's you know that that's my reason why I think that's very true. Yeah. Uh, tell me, uh, with young Jason, uh, have you had to change his diet, keep him off the red meat and give him something else? Because he's ferocious yep. when he wants to play. He, I can see him as the sort of guy that uh, – I was an old goalkeeper and, and the, the people that you always hated were the ones that got into your centre-back, got into your, into your defenders and just were, were a nuisance for the entire game. He, he looks like he's the ultimate nuisance. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a nuisance. <laughs> On and off the field, but yeah, you don't want to play. He's he's strong. He's he's look. He's a he, he's left footed. He's powerful, and and he's a street footballer. He grew up with a football at his foot, playing in Scotland in the streets of Scotland, and ends up at Rangers at, at Notts Forest. And and yeah, look to have a player like him is yeah, he's he's great to have in your team. He's great for camaraderie. The boys love him, but people see the outside of. Of Jason, oh, he's funny. He does, but on the pitch, he gives a hundred percent. He never stops running, and he's always feel like he's going to score a goal. And that's what you get with the best strikers in the world. You, you always feel like they're going to score, and Jason's one of them players. Mm, well, look, coming from a, a family of, of heart supporters, I'm very very familiar with Jason's journey. Uh, de- definitely one that one that one that got away for us, and unfortunately. Uh, I won't talk what he, what he, about what he used to do to us. He's in tears. Uh, in a Nick, green shirt. Otherwise, yeah, I might actually genuinely be in tears thinking about yeah. some of those Edinburgh derbies. Yeah. But um, ha- I'm curious to know how you, you plan to use him alongside uh, Paul this year as a sort of maybe two up top because we saw that uh, him and, and Marco, when Marco was here, formed quite a good partnership. They're both players who like to... You know, even though they are strikers, bring others into play. Is, yeah. is Paul of a, of a similar ilk or are you going to sort of 
get them to work together in a, in a different way? I'm curious to know. Look, we've got Paul, we've got Michael Roos, who is a yeah. 2-5-2-born, 20-year-old, absolute weapon, you know. He's he's quick, he's strong, he's, you know. So we got competition for places there. Nobody's guaranteed a spot in the team. And then we brought Marco Tullio in, who can play high, he can play as a second striker. Um, but look, Paul is full of energy. His work rate is phenomenal. Um, uh, and, and, and again, you know, Jason can play with anybody. You can put Jason in any mm-hmm. formation and he'll com- combine with anyone. And you know that in and around the box, you just got to get the ball to his feet. Um, so, yeah, look, we've done a lot of work with the new players, a lot of combinations. We've scored a lot of goals in pre-season. we had a lot of positive results. So, yeah, look, we've been using that time to gel. Um, and, and, yeah, Maresh last year, Maresh and Jason were frightening uh, for that period. And so Maresh, unfortunately, did his ACL uh, against Castle Jets. So, yeah, you know, Jason's a player that can play with anybody, really, yeah. Absolutely. Were you that there was a story that popped up about about Jason this week about uh, his dog, his dog Carlos? Were you, I'm not sure if you were familiar with this, Nick. That the uh, the the reasoning for the name of his dog Carlos. Everyone thought it might have been Roberto Carlos, but no, Baby Carlos from The Hangover. Did you know that? I thought it was uh, Carlos Tevez because he's like the Austrian. <laughs> you look at the way. He is. He's got a lot of similarities to Carlos Tevez, so yeah, that was that was new to me, but nothing surprises me with Jason. <laughs> I think Jason, I think Jason and Carlos share the same love for tattoos. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, what I was going to say to you is, okay, you're a week away now. We've got uh, the Australia Cup on the weekend, which is terrific. It's almost like the scene setter for what promises to be a seriously exciting A League, even more than the one last year, because last year we had enough of COVID disrupting us and playing havoc with the schedule. And as you said, uh, you lost some key players and had some injuries at critical times that stopped you from actually doing something quite extraordinary. I thought you had a magic season. Um, What can we expect week one Central Coast Mariners? You're playing home or away? So we're home against the Newcastle Jets. We're hoping for a big... It's a big local derby, and, and, <laughs> and yeah, it's always it's always that you know that, that anticipation. You know, you don't win the game in the first game of the season or the first third of the season, but you want to get off to a good start. You know, it's it's a unique season where you know six games in, there's a break for a World Cup, so I think it's important more more than ever this year to try and get points on the board before that World Cup break because yeah, I mean you don't know what's going to happen in that break and. You come back from that break and, and obviously the January transfer window is going to hit as well. So, um, yeah, look, people can expect the same Mariners as last year. A team that want to go out and, and, and win the game and full of energy and an and aggressive style of play. So, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, we can get a result against the Jets first game. You just reminded me of something else. Uh, during the World Cup uh, lock or the uh, the pause for the World Cup, how do you, how do you keep everyone... Say say you start as you would love to, like a house on fire. How do you maintain that momentum? Yeah, and that's that, that's the, that's the, the key magic thing, question. Not, hopefully, Jason and Garang both go to the World Cup. So, you know. <laughs> so you're all following them on the big screen. Yeah, we'll be following them. But look, I think we try and keep some games going for for boys that obviously are not not in international duty, and and just try and take over so that you don't you know lose a lot of fitness. But, yeah, momentum is massive in, in, in football. Might be good for some, not good for others. But, yeah, we just got to try and manage that. And that's where, you know, the, the sports science and, and the training comes in where, 
you know, we try not to miss a beat so that when we start back, we hit the ground running again. So, yeah, I think we'll concentrate on the first skips, first six games first and see where that takes us. And you've got a couple of new kits now that you're going to roll out with the opening games. Are you happy with the, the kit? Yeah, I think the kit's really nice, you know. To be honest, I... I uh, I saw the kit last year and, and I liked it. And I think this year's is just as nice. But yeah, as long as the boys are comfortable in it, that's the main thing. <laughs> it was a, a fifth place finish last season, and you were able to to get this squad to do something that the Mariners often do, which has surprised quite a few people yeah, uh, along yeah. the way. What, what's the uh, the ambition for for this season in terms of you know position on the ladder, where you guys want Go to end up? It. Are you hoping Go of maybe cracking that top four, top three potentially? Look. No, make no make, make no secret of it. You know, I want to win the league. You know, so does every coach in the. Mm. Nobody starts the league going. Oh, you know, I want to win the league. I want to get in the top six. I want to get in the finals. And 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 I think everybody wrote us off start of last season. You know, everybody wrote us off. You know, it was actually funny. We got Luke Wiltshire working with us at the minute with the MPL um, underneath myself, and he wrote us off. So we had a laugh about that. <laughs> Um, but look, everybody rises off because they know we've got the smallest budget, you know, the, the smallest squad. But yeah, look, you'd be brave to rise off this year because I think recruitment's been good, and you know we've still got the young, the players that were young last year. They're, they're a year more experienced, and, and like you said, we got not, you know, we got nothing to lose because everybody rises off for them reasons. So I think last year we had that that spell where there were some ridiculous decisions by referees, which yeah. When you look back on the season and go, well, we should have got a point there. We should have got three points there. We could have easily been fighting for the top position. Mm. We had a tough, we had a tough spell where we had conceded some late goals in games for four or five games in a row. If you add them points together and we didn't concede the equalisers and didn't concede the the goal to lose a game, that would have probably put us, you know, up there with with uh, with with, a, with a, the top points in the league. Um, and into the final game of the season, if, if uh, Adelaide would have lost at home, would have had a home final. And, and again, that, that's that's always powerful. But really proud of what we did last year. Want to be better this year. And, and you know, I, I think the boys that we've got in the squad, we've got, they believe that we can challenge everybody. So again, there's no giving in football. You know, there's no promises and and a magic wand. You have to get results, and it's about getting three points. And if we can do that, continually throughout the season, and you know, I think will be where I feel we can be, and that's challenging everybody. Uh, I'm getting very excited about the possibilities of seeing some cameras in the in the um, dressing rooms. Um, we give oh, you, you... Nick might be one of the first recipients. I mean, there, there are a few better places <laughs> to go than an F3 derby, potentially. Correct, correct. Um, our first game is the F3 derby. Um, have you got the squad... Do they know they're playing, or will you name the squad, the final squad, uh, next week? Yeah, of course. You know, you leave it till the last minute, you know, and, and that's the hardest thing for me when you've got a good squad. It's the hardest thing is picking eleven players. Yeah, um, you know, and, and that's you know, I'll pick the eleven players that I feel is going, going to go out and win the game, plus the subs. And then there's always players disappointed, but yeah, I'll leave it till till we got we got West Sydney Wanderers this weekend, last trial game. And then, yeah, we'll go into that final week of preparation and, and, and I'll pick the strongest team that I feel is going to give us the best chance of winning the game and I'll do that every week. Uh, Nick, uh, we've done so much uh, uh, resetting in Australia. We now are playing on the international schedule with the rest of the world, which is exciting. Do we also have five um, uh, substitutes as they have in the EPL? 
No, I think we're still seven this year, so I think we're still only six can come on, but um, I think it's seven, but one of them's got to be a goalkeeper, so I think uh-huh. that's good. Especially okay. The development League, where you have a lot of young players, and you know, to, to, to miss out on being on the bench is uh, yeah, it's hard, and it gives us a better chance to expose more young players that ultimately in the future will help the national team. You've been watching the way the game is evolving, of course, uh, I would suggest uh, overseas. And I've been watching the EPL this year, and, and it seems to me that the sides no longer play or, or set up to play 11. It's like 15, yeah? It's like uh, they're going to bring at a certain time this player on because they, they're going to shift uh, tactically the play or they're going to use them as impact players. That, that must change, I suppose, in your mind the way you, you prepare for a game. You have a few cards in your pack. You know how you're going to set up. You're not sure how the other side is going to respond. But you, you have, as you say, your, your henchmen on the sideline good to go when you think you can make the most impact. So is, is, the, is the game evolving for you too as a coach who each and every year is learning more and more? Yeah, 100%. Like you said then, you know, I mean – Athletically, it's, it's actually frightening when you see the, the the top athletes, especially in the Premier League. When you look at their running statistics, oh yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's amazing. And and again, you have to look at that, and you have to, you know, anticipate what may happen in the game. And when you pick your subs, you know, you need to make sure you got cover in different positions. Um, and look, you know, is there's no right or wrong. I think, you know. You might end up putting someone out of position, but if you're a team that that, that that wants to attack, then you know you need attackers on the bench because you're going to be a high-pressing team. You need players that can run, have got good energy, but when they burn out, you need to replace them. Otherwise, you have to change your, your tactics. So, you know, it's it's a very complex game, and that's why it's the best game in the world, and that's why it has the exposure it does because there is no given. You know, you can have the best stats in the world, have the ball for 90 minutes, but lose the game one nil, and and that. You know that that's the beauty of it. You know because one moment, one moment in the game, the opposition can have a little bit of quality in the final third, and you don't defend properly. You pick the ball out of your net, and it doesn't matter what you've done, how much uh, uh, of the ball that you've had possession. And and again, you know, always goes on the, the way the teams play. Some teams sit off and let you have the ball. Other teams they want to pressure, and and again, their subs and their squad will probably reflect the way that they play. Well, there you go. On on the subject of of top pros of, of, of athletes. I mean, I just realized we've made it nearly through this whole discussion and I haven't mentioned, or we haven't mentioned one of the, the most important season pros that you've brought Shame in this you. season, Shame which is, is, is Danny Vukovic. You had such big... Uh, <laughs> the boots. man's back! I know. You had such big boots to fill, obviously, with Mark Birigidi, one of the best uh, goalkeepers in this competition, yeah, leaving, it, getting that deserved move to Scotland. Just and you, quality. You've, you've, uh, you've filled him in very nicely with uh, with getting Danny in the door. Yeah, like I said, you know, I, I don't. When when the move came for Mark and Mark wanted to leave, you know, at the end of the day, that, that's that's normal in football. Sometimes it's, it doesn't happen for the right reasons. I think Mark's realised that since he's gone to Dundee, he's had a real tough time. Oh yeah, uh, you know. But again, the grass isn't always greener. But when it happens, you know, I spoke to Vuka. He wasn't happy. He was in Holland, and, and you know, everyone knows his quality, not as oh. just as a, a but as a person. Yeah, and it didn't. Two minutes to say I want, I need Vucker, I want to bring him in, and thankfully I spoke to him. We spoke to the club, we spoke to his agent, and the opportunity for him to come back, especially in this World Cup season where he's been involved in every qualifier, 
and and I hope he gets chosen to, to go to the World Cup because he deserves it as much as anybody. Mm. And for him to come back and be able to play in the A League in front of Graham Arnold and have that 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 game time he, he needed, um, it just worked perfectly. And the moment he walked through the door, he's a real leader. You know, he brings a presence that that you know that that we that we lacked last year with you know with Matty Simon's injury um, missing all last season. Mm. And and yeah, he's a great great person to have around the club and. He's got high standards and just, yeah, fantastic He's a great, he, he's a great pro, Nick, and he's also a fabulous anchor, uh, you know, in the in the goals, but he also sees so much. I, I think uh, we've discussed this before. Um, there are only two people in, in any contest that see the entire game, un, you know, unfold or, or roll out in front of them, and that's both the goalkeepers. They see all the action, don't they? Everyone else sees it from their own perspective, but the two goalkeepers... Uh, on either side, get to see the whole game played out in front of them. And to have someone of that experience, that quality, that anchor, uh, who has proven himself time and time again, um, we wish Vuka... He's also a fabulous family man. Huh? Uh, uh, is his family uh, all healthy at the moment? They had a terrible time early on, um, but we heard there was some good news. Is he back and uh, is the whole family with him? Yeah, he's back. The whole family's with him. You know, he's got two beautiful kids and, and and a wife that are happy to be back here now. And he's moving up to the central coast. So yeah, look, he's at a stage in his life where you know he's gone full circle. He's back at the club he started at. He's yeah. had an unbelievable journey which he can share. He's got his own story, and and, and yeah, it's just a great person. And you know, just it's just his professionalism. He's a top top pro. Um, I actually have to tell him slow down a little bit sometimes because he's bad <laughs> man. And I just say, listen, I've been there. Pull, pull the handbrake up a bit. Go on now, get on the bike, have a rest. Let's throw the young kids to go and, and the boys can smash balls at them. You think you've had enough balls smashed at you? So, uh, no, nah, fantastic, uh, fantastic signing for the club in, in general. Yeah, I mean, it, putting aside his actual qualities mm. as a player, which are club man. A, yeah. a, immense for a squad who does that does skew so young, as you said, for a club that wants to be in many respects, the export club of the A-League to sell on these young talents, give them their sort of dream opportunities. Yeah. If, if you were picking a, a player... To who's be like, better? Who's the yeah. experienced head we can bring in who's had that European experience, can Vuka. give those young players their Vuka. advice? You, you'd pick Danny Vukovic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Nick, sure. can I just say thank you uh, for giving us so much uh, access to the Central Coast Mariners and um, we wish you tremendous luck throughout the season, but especially in the opening game next week uh, at home. Uh, and it promises to be an exciting one. And please keep us uh, up to date with what's happening with uh, the the youngsters, whether it be Jason or whether it be Garrick. And the other thing, uh, too, we wish you a season free of big injuries that, uh, you know, have blighted your, your performances in the past. You guys deserve a clear run. And it'd be seriously interesting to see how you do. I think we've actually just uh, just lost lost Nick there, unfortunately. Is that right? No, I'm sure he heard your well wishes. Well, we'll, we'll apologise uh, for for those uh, who, who should be running the uh, the uh, telco. Uh, is it was it? Are we running with with Telstra or are we running with Optus? Optus has had a miserable yeah, week, haven't I'm they? I'm not even sure we're allowed to say the, the word Optus. Oh right, okay, that's... Telco. Mm, yeah, right. Um, look, that was fantastic. Nearly an hour. He might have just Nick he might Montgomery. have just had a reminder on his phone to uh, tell Danny Vukovic to, <laughs> to get on the bike. You know? Hey, listen, you, you can see why 
why they, it promises to be an exciting season. Yeah? Oh, absolutely. Fantastic stuff. I mean, I think Central Coast Mariners would be one of those clubs that... It's funny because, as Nick said, there are a lot of people whose season on season are more than willing because of the assets that they... Uh, f- the the lack of financial acumen, I guess, relative to other clubs in the competition, that a lot of people write off, a lot of people underestimate. Mm. But mm. I on I'm almost the opposite. I have a lot of time for the Mariners as a club in the in the last couple of seasons. I have a l- lot of time, as we did today, yeah, uh, for Nick Montgomery as as a manager. And I really do think, uh, and this is why I wanted to ask him about the the quals in particular. Mm. Uh, I think that the rest of this league has a lot to learn from the Central Coast Mariners in oh, terms look. of their approach to youth development. They're willing to play young players this, across the if, pitch. If this young man uh, showcases uh, this talent at the next level he goes to, you can imagine Richard Peel getting a host of phone calls. Absolutely. And uh, Nick Montgomery having to field um, many inquiries from around the globe. Listen, it's been most interesting. Uh, We trust you've enjoyed this hour with Nick Montgomery, the head coach of the Central Coast Mariners. We touched on a number of topics, but the thing that is unmatchable that you can't dismiss is his fire, his energy, his experience, and he understands full well that if you want to make the grade in this country... There really is only one way to do it, and that's full on. You can't be a part-time footballer and imagine you're going to achieve elite status. You've got to give it all you've got. And he's got a couple of – in fact, he's got a a young squad who all they want to do is they want to be the best they can possibly be. Jason performed admirably, I thought, in limited time for Australia in the second game. And young Garing, from the moment he came on, you kept thinking – Next time he touches the ball, something's going to happen. And it did. Every time he went near it, every time the ball came out towards him, you thought, and there's no more exciting commodity or ingredient in a sporting player, whatever the code, whatever they're, whether they're male or female, when you see something light up, it's just the, the most exciting thing on the planet. And you wear a smile. And I was thrilled to bits. People were saying, oh... He, he didn't offer a, a good enough pass to, to Jason. Um, uh, he didn't do this. He didn't that. Listen, for him to get into those positions, for him to be able to find a way past and without electric speed. And by the way, we are in the age of electricity. So everyone's saying go green. Um, it's interesting. Uh, what colours are the Central Coast Mariners again? Oh, yellow and yellow and navy blue. Yeah. Well, Maybe I, we need to introduce a green element into their into their uh, kit. Yeah? Uh, look, what do you e- think? Even, even ignoring Garang's actual qualities as a player, his sort of individual attributes, and just looking at it sort of from a, a macro level, yep. he's, he's got something in abundance, but, and Jason Cummings is the same as well, the the reason I think they've dominated so much of the discourse from this recent Socceroos window is they've got something that has been sorely lacking from, uh, I mean, Australian football at large, but specifically the Socceroos, I think, in the last few few years, which is charisma. Yeah, yeah. No, they just point. have that charisma that yeah. they're a player that makes you want to sit up properly in your seat, take what's, notice what's of What's Josh Parrish's nickname for Jason Cummings? 
I'm not sure if I can. Yes, exactly. So it goes to tell you. Not past the watershed. No. no. But Jason Jason has created this persona around him. Young Garen Quoll is um, creating uh, electric uh, energy around him. There's a force field around him. I just hope he lands in good hands wherever he goes and whenever he goes. Uh, I trust he never forgets um, the people that have given him the wonderful opportunity to make uh, a, a career for himself. And we wish the Central Coast Mariners a fantastic season. Uh, and it'll be on for young and old. Um, until next week, Lockie, um, thank you very much for joining us. State of our football nation on FNR. Uh, Lockie, when are you back? I will be back next Tuesday for the Oz Football Hour, our official A-League men's season preview. And then we'll be here again on on Thursday, George, on the eve of the new season. Uh, uh, question without notice, is the green room any any closer to coming back? Oh, well, I have to keep my my lips sealed on that one okay. for, for now. Right. We, right. We shall Stand by. Stand More exciting by things indeed. happening on Football Nation Radio. And uh, by the way, happy fifth anniversary. Yes. It's, it's five years since we started a decade. Football Nation Radio. Uh, how old were you when we started? 17. 17. Almost the same age as uh, young Garen Quoll. Yeah, pretty much. He's about six months older than you, I think. I do look forward to going to Newcastle United. That, that should be that should be great. Until next week. Until next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.